When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 213 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are talking about going car-free or perhaps car light. And I am talking about this with lifestyle optimization coach Meredith Keith Church. Now, if you are an avid listener of this podcast, you listen every week without fail. Maybe Meredith's name rings a bell, and it should. That's because Meredith was guest on episode 201 of this podcast, which came out a few weeks back. We talked about having fewer but better adult friendships. And now she's here to talk about how on earth she lives a car-free life with her family. Meredith, I'm so excited to talk to you for a second time. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm super excited to be back. And yeah, really excited to get into this topic for sure. (laughs) Well, for anybody who missed your first appearance on this podcast, tell us who you are and what on earth a lifestyle optimization coach does. Yes. Great question. So I'm Meredith Keith Church, and I am a coach, a mom, a dancer, a vocalist, advocate of many things, including uh, pedestrian, um, biking lifestyles, um, as well as self-directed education. So in terms of my coaching work, uh, I work with people, women specifically, on certain areas of lifestyle that I think tend to get forgotten when we're talking about health and wellness and just being happy and joyful. I think sometimes we get into these modes of thinking, oh, well, health and wellness is about what I eat and, you know, making sure I'm getting exercise. And certainly those things are true. You know, they're important. And I think that things like relationships, like we've talked about before, how we spend our days, how we spend our time, the, the thoughts we have, the things that we do during the day, whether is it work, is it our hobbies, all of these types of things and choices that we make as a part of our regular day-to-day life sometimes get forgotten. And they're a huge source of either support or sometimes unhealthy stress, just depending on where we are with balancing them and with making those choices. So I like to work with people on some of those areas that they maybe haven't thought of first and foremost with their health, and that tend to have huge impacts on their happiness and well-being. Well, today I would love to talk to you about your car-free living journey. Uh, I have so many questions And I read a blog post you wrote on this topic, and essentially one of the points you were making was that if your first thought is, oh, no, that's not for me, it's not possible, 
think again, because perhaps it could be. Talk to us about that decision that you made to go car-free. When did you make it? Why did you make it? And how's it going? (laughs) Yes. So a lot went into it. It definitely was something that took my family a while to get behind and figure out. And I say my family because some of us were more eager than others of us, specifically my partner, my husband. It was his idea. And when he first suggested it, I had a reaction that is very similar to reactions that I get from a lot of people, which was, what? You, what we can't do that. What, but everybody has a car. How does that even work? That's not possible. That kind of thing. That was my reaction at first. Um, and my husband had done some research into it, into different stories from other families who had made the choice. Well, it is possible. Here are some of the things they've done. And I just was not ready at that point in time. We had three kids at home. I have two stepkids and a kiddo. And I thought there's just no way uh, that we could do this with everybody running in different directions. So I was very resistant. He was persistent. (laughs) So over the years making suggestions again. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? So we started to talk about, what about one car? We had two cars. We had two adults, three kids. We had two cars. Very you know, common story of people. So I said, okay, maybe we can talk about one. And a lot of it was talking about how our lifestyle was set up and would we need to make any changes? So for example, where you live makes a huge difference. Are you close to things? At the time, we were in the suburbs. We were in the Midwest of the United States. And I will say that there are areas all over the world where this is possible. And then there are areas where you're not close to things. The roads are perhaps treacherous to either walk on or ride a bike, that kind of thing. So, you know, we definitely did some, some discussions and some thought into what are the things we do? Do we have access to those? And how accessible would this be? What other equipment do we need? So for example, when we started these conversations, I hadn't ridden a bike in years, like over a decade, maybe longer. And I thought, oh, I don't know. My husband was a very big cyclist, right? So so that was something for me like, okay, probably I want to get a bike. What does that even look like? I don't remember. You know, of course, the joke is that you'll always remember. But um, so that was a step, right? Okay, let's get a bike first. (laughs) Let me get back on one, see what it's like. And what kind of support do we need for kids? What are the size of our kids, right? So uh, my stepkids were older. Our kiddo was younger. So do we need a bike seat? Do we need a trailer bike? Do we need a trailer? You know, those kinds of things. So it was definitely a process. And I would say that most people that I've talked to who are considering this lifestyle, adjusting their use of automobiles, it takes some time. It's not one of those things you're going to wake up tomorrow and sell your car or cars and and jump into this. So part of what I think is helpful for people and can make them most successful is that taking that time, maybe you decide, okay, this is something I want to do. And maybe it doesn't take you as many years as it took me. And it's still really helpful to think of all those, those little details. So we went to the one car. We also moved to a more urban area. So we actually moved to a downtown neighborhood. And um, on the one hand, we had to then pay to park the car we had, which, you know, a lot of people don't love. And on the other hand, 
we had better access to public transportation. So that gave us another option besides just being out in the suburbs where we didn't, there was a park and ride. So when we went down to one car, I would sometimes drive my husband to the park and ride, and then he could take the bus to work. Um, that you know involved some some amount of scheduling. It was doable. So what we liked about moving ourselves to an environment that had more access to support was that there were some streets with bike lanes. When we had been riding around or walking around in you know more suburban types of areas, it was kind of you know touch and go with the bikes. You were maybe going to be in with traffic, which was okay. Generally speaking cars weren't going very fast because it wasn't an interstate or a busy road. Um, And at the same time, we liked having the option to walk places. So sidewalks are great. Um, And so ultimately, what actually pushed me over uh, to the place of being ready to have no car was that a car share company came into our town. So this was new. And it took away sort of the last argument that I had because we were using the bus we were using our bikes, we were walking, and the car share company offered an opportunity to become members for a fairly reasonable rate annually, and then just go get a car when we needed it for something, for an hourly rate. So once that came along, I thought, well, we're paying a monthly garage fee for this car to be parked. We really weren't using it. It was really just for comfort. You know, okay, well, we'll just go down to one, but we'll still have one. And at that point, I thought, okay, we've done this for a while. I feel pretty comfortable. And also in the back of my mind, I always thought, well, if it doesn't work, we can just buy another car. (laughs) So it didn't feel like a completely permanent, wow, we can never change our minds kind of decision, right? Because there will probably always be cars, at least in our lifetime. So, uh, you know, I felt like, hey, if it doesn't work, we can make a different choice. (laughs) Well, let me pause you just for one second and say that you did mention that you live in a more urban environment. And so I can picture my listeners right now throwing up their hands and being like, oh, well, that's why it's possible for her because she lives in an urban environment. It's not possible for me. And so for anybody listening who is thinking that, I would say just hold on, just pause. I live in a very rural environment. So we're going to get to strategies to maybe step back from car use, even if you're not in a city with public transit. But yes, I do want to get into the whys. You had mentioned the financial costs associated with keeping, maintaining a car. I would say from the purposes of this conversation, you know, this is an environmentally friendly podcast. And so whenever anybody asks me, like, what what are the top four, let's say, things that I can do personal choice wise to help the planet, I always say fly less or not at all, eat less or no meat and dairy, buy less junk. And of course, number four is always use your car less or not at all. So the environmental um, benefit is, of course, I just shouldn't have to state it, but let's just state it. Why else did you guys make this big, gigantic life choice? So the environment was definitely a piece of it. I would say the initial interest came from when my husband was doing this research on, wow, it's a huge cost savings because we don't really think about how much it costs to own a car, not just the car itself, the insurance, the maintenance, et cetera. Then when we delved deeper and did more of that research and just kind of laid out all of the pros and cons, the environmental piece was huge. And so when we realized that we could also 
contribute in this way through our family making this choice. That was a big draw. I would say those were the top things that were motivators. And as we got started, another thing came into play, which was our health and wellness. And of course, someone would say now looking back, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. I'm surprised you didn't think of it. And we really just didn't. We didn't realize how sedentary we were, you know, during those times that we're in a car. Of course, we think about sitting around at home or things like that. But when we took that away, we noticed our health change so dramatically because if we wanted to leave the house, we were going to have to move our bodies in some way, even if we were riding the bus. And I will share as we talk later, we actually have since left that urban environment. So we've never been in a downtown since then. And we've lived in lots of different environments and made this work. So we'll get more into that. But, you know, even being in an urban environment, the bus stop is probably not outside your door. So the health and wellness benefits became super clear very early on, even though we weren't initially thinking of those and have definitely been a factor in our keeping this lifestyle for so many years. And then the fourth piece I would say that was also surprising and yet key in, you know, motivating us to stay connected with this lifestyle is relationships. And from a, so from a standpoint of a couple of different areas, for one thing, I know some people love to drive. I was not one of those people. So it made me a little stressed out to have the directions. And yes, I still use paper directions. That's a whole other story. Um, Directions to somewhere, watching what I was doing, kids in the backseat, radio on, you know, all these different things happening. And so I would arrive somewhere pretty stressed. I also couldn't have a conversation with whichever, you know, kid was asking a question. It was like, oh, wait, I just missed the exit. So I was answering this or reaching for your drink, all of these different things. And I found that our family, when we rode somewhere or walked somewhere together, had all these great conversations that we weren't having before because I was trying to focus on driving or, you know, helping whoever was in the driver's seat navigate, that kind of thing. So that was a surprise and was a huge benefit. The other thing that was interesting was, and this harkens back a bit to relationships that matter, when we had a car in our driveway, we would just say yes to things all the time because it was easy. We could, right? When we no longer had a vehicle, we made super mindful choices about where we were going, who we were going there with, how long we'd want to be there, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I had also read on your blog that another benefit was that going car-free encouraged you to support your local businesses more. I was wondering if you could speak quickly on that. Yes, yes. So spending more time in our close community. So, you know, when you think about having a sort of a radius of things that you do, when you're car free or, you know, car light, you start looking around more at what's available to you and easy. So where can you walk to? Where can you ride to? And we were already interested in supporting local small businesses before we became car-free, this made it even easier and it put it more at the forefront of our attention. Oh, well, you know what? What's the local market? Where can we go for our groceries or for our day-to-day things? So for example, when we were looking at lifestyle, some of the things we knew we wanted were local organic produce, We eat food mindfully, so we ask questions of the people that provide it, whether it's the farmers, whoever it is that's that's working with that food. 
we like to have access to that. So we started looking at those places rather than the bigger stores, which typically are going to be located farther away or in more suburban areas and that kind of thing, at least in the U.S. And we use the library a lot. So, you know, finding entertainment, whether it's books, magazines, CDs, which we still use, and, you know, movies, that kind of thing, or activities that are held there. We started noticing our local recreation center, you know, all there are all kinds of things that can be used as entertainment or parks. Parks are a big one for us, you know, local green spaces to kind of change things up from just where we are in our home or in our neighborhood. So making sure that we were noticing where all those places were and spending time there, getting to know our neighbors, getting to know those small business owners and developing those relationships. So again, back to community, I think that sometimes when we're in cars, it's a lot easier to wall ourselves off from our local community and our local folks because we can get anywhere. So we do, right? We may go farther um, and we may not be thinking about supporting those locally. As you're talking, I'm thinking about all the places I tend to go in a normal week. And I'll be honest, when I sat down just half an hour ago to have this conversation with you, I was thinking to myself, oh, heck no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen for me. I live in a very rural area. Things tend to be far away. The streets are the complete opposite of bike friendly. I'm talking narrow. I'm talking windy. I'm talking horns blaring. You know, when there's a car and a and a bike, it's just not a bike friendly place. But as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm kind of already doing some of this. I've already done step one. My daughter, this is off topic, but my daughter's elementary school is maybe two miles away. And the thing in town is all the moms get in their SUVs and drive their child to elementary school and then idle for half an hour in the parking lot. And, you know, I said, that's not for me. That's silly. You're taking the bus. So that's car light in that regard. Like the bus is not as glamorous as getting driven to school by your mom, but here we are. Like, let's use that bus. (laughs) Or this summer, you know, we went to the pool most days. The pool was a mile away. We walked every single day. That was a great way for me to get a mile in and a mile home, two, two miles of walking in. Um, get my daughter, she rode her bike next to me. And, you know, so I'm already taking steps in that direction. My next step would, let's say, be to ride my bike the four miles to the library. I can do that, right? I mean, and I'm, of course, some people can't do it. I'm talking about people who perhaps may have a physical disability. They can't do it, but I could, and perhaps I should. One of my listeners reached out. She heard me say that I wanted to interview on this you on this topic, and she wrote to me some questions. And so shout out to you, Clarissa. She wanted me to ask you, what are some of the biggest trials and tribulations you've experienced on this car-free journey? Well, interestingly, the first thing that comes to mind is really more about other people and the understanding or not uh, that we've run into sometimes with these situations. It's been interesting, for example, to have conversations with people about uh, where we should meet. So let's say um, I serve on a lot of different committees because I have a lot of interests. So let's say people are talking about having a group meeting and you know, occasionally it's just a matter of saying, hey, 
Could we do something centrally located? That's often more convenient for people in cars also because people come from maybe all parts of a town. Or could we do something during hours where the bus line's running? So um, sometimes it's been challenging to work with other people in their understanding of our lifestyle. And most of the time it ends up fine. It can get tiring sometimes to explain. What's interesting to me is that you didn't mention extra time. I can imagine that running to the store to get, I don't know, some almond milk, let's say, takes a lot more time if you're doing it on a bike or if you're walking. How do you make, well, first of all, there's the time and then there's also the logistics. How do you make those two things work for you in your own life? I know you've been, you said you've been doing this for many years, so maybe it's just ingrained, but at the beginning, how did you deal with the extra time and the extra mental load associated with the logistics of going car free? Yes, that's a great question. So thank you for bringing that up. That wasn't something that came to mind. And I think it's just because, as you said, after a while, it's kind of a part of the just the overall logistics that I'm used to. But you're right. When you do transition, I do find that most of us try to cram way too many things into our day. So we're like, okay, and then I have 15 minutes for this. And so absolutely, um, you know, if your days are like that, then there is some travel time planning that changes. So for example, a trip to the store for us, we go to our local organic food co-op. That is where we shop for all of our groceries because we just aren't super fond of chains. Um, And we specifically picked this neighborhood where we are right now because it was within, it was less than two miles from that. So even the difference between riding and walking makes us kind of have to look at, okay, how how much time do we have, right? If we have less time, we're going to choose the bike and a different setup with that. And if we have more time or if we start out earlier, maybe we walk. We also live in a part of the world that's really, really hot three or four months out of the year. So that changes things too. Sometimes we don't want to haul the trailer full of groceries if it's 115 degrees out. So having to plan for that as well, like, oh, wait, you know, we need to adjust. We need to have them early morning free. We like to go really early because it's cooler then. So it's true. Those are, those are definitely those are definitely factors. I would say that even in the beginning, it wasn't that different than the other things we were juggling. So all the kids' activities, the kids in three different kids in three different schools, like all of those things, we kind of already had that going on just in a different way. So it's just a matter of looking at it like that, like you would, you know, do your personal schedule or someone else that you're involved with, um, coordinating those things just in a different way. And I I like the opportunity to to spread that out because again, that's extra time. For example, if you're someone who goes to the gym, you might not need to do that that day because you just walked five miles, right? So you're actually gaining something as a trade-off there. And or let's say you're doing an errand and you ask a friend to join you on the walk. You also just got friend connection time that maybe you would have had to carve out later because you told someone you'd call them and then you know you need to schedule that. So you know there's a trade-off there. I would say maybe that's the other reason it didn't come to mind as something that I would consider like a challenge. Um, but yeah, I think it, it just ends up kind of being like something else in your life that you're trading off for with great benefits in my opinion. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, my next challenge is going to be, I'm going to bike to the library. Like I can do that. (laughs) But then my next question becomes, well, what gear do I need for my bike? 
Yes. So there are all kinds of things out there, right? And depending on your lifestyle and your comfort level, uh, you know, you may want to do a little research. So when we started out, we've had all kinds of things. Uh, we had a trailer that attached to the bike. So the trailer could pull either people, or I've also seen folks use that with pets and or groceries, library books, gear. Um, and that was just one trailer that was kind of small, kind of skinnier when you can get big ones if you have multiple kids, for example, that you want to put on the back of the bike or multiple pets, etc. So that's an option. You've also got some side bags. You can do a basket on the front or bags on the side. Sometimes I would just wear a backpack. Those types of things can be super easy. Um, there are also cargo bikes and uh, I mentioned that my husband's a big cyclist, so he's very into lots of different kinds of bikes. And at one point in time, he actually had a client that was a cargo bike company. So we had a company vehicle <laughs> um, that was an electric cargo bike. And at that time, we lived in an area with lots of hills. So that was cool. Cargo bikes can provide places for humans to sit um, on benches or seats. They can also provide bags on the side. There's also, there are also different things you can have as attachments to cargo bikes. Um, we had something called a sidecar at one point. Those are all, you know, it can be as easy as you just get a basket for the front of your bike for some books. And it can be as elaborate as, you know, bags on the side, trailer on the back, or a cargo bike, for example. Okay. So what words of encouragement or wisdom do you have for anybody listening right now who's interested in not going car free, but perhaps doing just one or two errands a week without their car? What what thoughts do you have for them? So I have actually worked with clients on this and it's a lot of fun to take a look at what you have in your life that you do the most or at least regularly, maybe once a week. So like you were just saying, as you thought, you realized, oh, wait, I do have these few things, right? So those are the easiest to start with. If you already know that you have something you do pretty regularly that feels close enough to you that you could walk or ride, um, then just start there and start with that one place. So let's say it's the library. You go every week. You're going to try for three weeks to walk or ride just to the library um, and see how that feels. Or if it's the grocery and you do have a, I've seen lots of people walking with those carts. Um, you can get like a metal cart that folds up. You could walk there and then unfold it, grab your stuff and, and cart at home. And if that feels good, or if you feel like, oh, well, maybe I already do that. Maybe I already do that. You do like once a week. I've also worked with people to try one day a week. If you feel like I'm going to park the car and just leave it for a day. And I think I'm going to be fine with that. You can maybe schedule those certain errands that you feel like you can access uh, on those days and just try. It's kind of like if you try to move to Meatless, for example, you have like the one day, right? So you could just try the one day not using your car and then plan around that and see how that works. Yeah. You mentioned eating less meat or going a day without your car. I feel as though whenever we think about trying on something new, doing something a little bit differently, it automatically at the outset sounds really hard or really impossible or just too big of a feat to even try. But when you break it down into smaller parts, the meat example is don't just give up meat immediately, but maybe just do meatless Mondays. It sounds much more accessible. And same with the car light. I mean, I have to go today to the local farm to pick up my vegetables. 
Like, it's it's like a mile away. <laughs> I could totally ride my bike. I have a basket. I'll put my vegetables in my basket. And that's that. So thank you for taking this big lifestyle change and making it much more accessible to people who perhaps never even considered it. Do you have any final words on car-free or car-light living? The only other thing I would think of is that sometimes people say things like, what about the weather? Uh, you know, it's it's either really hot where I am or it's really cold where I am or, you know, they, they things like that come up and then they, again, maybe come up against a block. So um, I would say that there are folks who live car light or car free in pretty much every area of the world that you can find because we've, we've done a lot of research over the years and we've seen people's personal stories. So there's just about always a way uh, especially, you know, if it's weather related, you can plan for that. Look at different times of the day where it's maybe more comfortable to be out in the elements. Look at beyond just bike gear, your clothing gear, right? Um, I've heard people say from really cold climates that there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing choices. So, you know, layering up or the opposite if it's warm. And then the last thing that does occur to me that I often like to remind folks of is remember your community. Because again, sometimes we get so isolated and, and just think, oh, we have to do everything alone and uh, you know, no one can help. And as I mentioned, I've had neighbors and, and different folks in our community offer us a vehicle for different things. If let's say the car share truck wasn't available and we had wanted to get a piece of furniture from the thrift store or just people who feel like they would like to help out with different things or they're headed to the store and it's a blizzard. Would you like something? You know, So don't forget about your community and your people and people who are willing to help and don't be afraid to say, okay, and think outside of maybe what you've always done to be independent. And that can also help other people. Other people like to help. You might develop relationships. So I think that's a factor that we don't always consider that we're never all alone with any of our decisions. And we might have support in ways we hadn't thought of before. I love that. And maybe consider doing some errands without your car as a stacking opportunity, right? Instead of riding your stationary bike in your basement, <laughs> maybe you ride your real bike <laughs> to go get your milk or whatever it is. You've just killed two birds with one stone, right? You've got your exercise in and you got you did your errand. So thank you so much. I'm so inspired. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Tell my listeners where they can find more of you online. So I have a website and it's called M for Health. And I have tons of articles on there and suggestions that might be helpful in the way of health and lifestyle. And I am also on Facebook and you can just search using my name. It's just Meredith Keith Church and that's M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H-K-E-I-T-H dash C-H-I-R-C-H. Well, I will link to you in this week's show notes for anybody who wasn't writing that down. But Meredith, I want to thank you so much. I am going to bike today to get my vegetables and I will report back and let you know how it Yay. goes. <laughs> so thank you so much. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Meredith Keith Church. I have linked to her in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 21. Three. 
I will see you in two short days on Thursday where I am answering a listener's question all about how to reduce food waste this fall. Think using all the pumpkin, use all of the apple. I will see you then. Have an amazing two days and take care.